No one's going to be an expert, but you can know enough to ask the right questions. And I think that's the key to survival as a leader in this complex environment. Welcome to the Amplifying Cognition podcast, formerly the Thriving on Overload podcast. I am Ross Dawson, a futurist and entrepreneur fascinated by the unlimited potential of the human mind. Each week, I speak to incredible people who are working on how we can get to next level thinking, sense-making, and decision-making so we can keep ahead in an accelerating world. My guests share how they amplify their productivity, the success of organizations, and the potential of humanity by using an array of technologies, including AI, innovative processes, and sometimes simple everyday practices. I do this podcast to learn. I learn so much from every guest I speak to, and I'm sure you will too. But if you are intent on amplifying your cognition, simply go to amplifyingcognition.com to access a trove of useful resources, including the Humans Plus AI learning community, resources and downloads from my book, Thriving on Overload, the Thought Weaver app, which allows you to interface more effectively with AI, transcripts from all of our podcast episodes, and far more. That's amplifyingcognition.com. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to hear more and help others to find the podcast by liking or sharing. It makes a massive difference, so thank you. On this episode, we learn from Mark Schaefer. Mark is a globally recognized keynote speaker, educator, business consulting, and best-selling author of 10 books, most recently, Belonging to the Brand. His blog, Grow, is one of the top marketing blogs in the world. Mark has advanced degrees in marketing and organizational development, holds seven patents, and is faculty for the graduate studies program at Rutgers University. You can find more on Mark's work at businessgrow.com and on Twitter at Mark W. Schaefer, M-A-R-K-W-S-C-H-A-E-F-E-R. In this episode, Mark shares insights on his book writing processes, enabling to write uh, 10 uh, best-selling books, asking the right questions, how you create value in communities, the courage to experiment, and a lot more. So keep listening. Uh, it's a great conversation with Mark. And here we are. Ross, it's, I, I can't believe I'm actually seeing you in real life. I've been stalking you for, t- for 10 years, my friend. So you have authored 10 books. That's uh, well held ahead of most mortals. <laughs> so I'd love to hear, how is it that you distill all of the insights you get and package that into these books, this, uh, the wisdom that uh, other people are uh, able to use and apply? I have a, a quite a unique process, I think, and it's a very efficient process. Um, what I'll do is once I have the concept for the book, and it, it takes some time to process that, it takes some time to really have it click in and say, yes, this is it. Because for me, writing a book is a, is a, it's a big risk. It's a personal risk. It's a, it's a lot of sacrifice. So I need to know I'm right. Well, actually, I like, I like to find out how you, how you know you're right, because that's, that's in a way the, the ultimate act of synthesis. Here's how I know I'm right. Because I, I, I look around the world for a problem I, don't, I can't solve. Or I, I keep hearing the same thing from CMOs or business executives. And then all of a sudden, you know, 
someone will, will say, I just can't sleep at night. You know, this is driving me crazy. I thought, okay, that's it. This is, I'm on target. This is the question I need to answer in this, in this book. So it always starts with a question. It always starts with, you know, a problem that other people can't figure out. Then I do an outline. Here's what I think 10 or 12 chapters might look like. Then I create an Evernote file for each of those chapter topics. Then for nine months, I let the book come to me. I watch the world. I hear interviews. I hear, you know, I listen to people like you. I'll say, oh my gosh, this is a great quote from Ross. That goes in chapter three. Zip into the Evernote file. And I do, and, and it, it might be research, statistics, quotes, people I need to talk to. It's, it's like this, Ross. If you buy a new car and you're driving down the road, all of a sudden you see that new car everywhere. It's the same with this. If you have this idea for this book, then all of a sudden the book just comes to you and you fill up the chapter. So now when it's time to write the book, you're not facing a blank page. You open up each chapter in the the Evernote file and you weave the stories together. And sometimes it doesn't fit. Maybe this story belongs better in chapter three than in chapter seven. But it, now you, I can write a book in three to four weeks, a first draft, rather than years and years and years, because I'm ready. I have everything I need in, in front of me, the stories, the research, the quotes, the statistics, and I weave the chapters together in a, in a beautiful, bold way, and that becomes the first draft so, of the book. Essentially, you're saying you're starting with a question. Absolutely, yes, right. Yeah, and, and, I, and I do research to make sure that that question isn't already satisfied someplace else, that this is really going to have a place in, in, in the universe, that it's, it's, it's going to be different, and I'm not stepping on somebody else's toes. But yeah, so that's, that, that first step is really important. I think that's that's wonderful in a way. It's as, exactly as you say. It's you know our consciousness filters the information, you know, depending on what it is we the the guidelines we give it. And if we ask a question, then immediately we'll start to see the things that are relevant to that. You know, we become the the strange attractor of the the relevant uh, insights and information. Yeah. So that that was that was my filtering process at, at least before Chat GPT. <laughs> what it's going to be after ChatGPT, I don't know. Because literally, I finished my last book, turned in the manuscript a month before ChatGPT was was launched, and uh, then I asked ChatGPT to write a chapter of the book based on some prompts, and it did a beautiful job in five seconds, and it was one of the most depressing moments of my career. <laughs> well, well, since to dig into that, I mean, so. What what is the the next steps from the um, you know ChatGPT being able to or you know these large language models being able to do parts of these things? I, mean, I think you 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 were saying before you asked it to do it in your voice, so it was yes, taking yes, your insights in order to be able to uh, to frame those. Yeah, I asked it I asked it to do it in, in my voice. I asked also asked it to provide academic references. And it didn't hallucinate. It actually, it actually did it. Um, and so, you know, my reaction, I think, is the same as as most people. I, I usually hear two words associated with ChatGPT in our careers: exciting and terrifying. And the exciting part is is the new productivity it can unleash. I mean, it, in terms of 
just pure writing. ChatGPT brings to writing what the calculator brought to math. The calculator didn't make you a mathematician, but it, it, you could do your taxes, even if you hated math and could not conceptualize algebra at all. Now it made everybody competent at math. And this makes everyone competent at writing, which is glorious. I have a friend in my community, Ross, she's filled with good ideas and she's a, by her own admission, a terrible writer. She tried ChatGPT, she puts her ideas in there. She said, I could blog every day. I could write a book. This is unleashing all this new potential. But for me, and I haven't sorted this out, um, I would be stupid not to use it, just like I'd be stupid not to use a calculator. Um, but for me, there's, there's this existential issue of doing the work and, 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 and the sacrifice and the resulting book is, is part of my purpose. It's something I do very well. People look forward to my books. I get comments saying, you know, Mark, this is my favorite book, or this book changed the way I looked at my business. And that's this reward. And so we'll have to see what happens with, with, the, with the next book. I think this is going to be an issue for the world, not just me, as, as chat GP, as AI and, and, and it begins to take become more creative and more insightful and more human it'll be able to take over more of these creative tasks and and start to infringe on our purpose as well as our our skill sets I, I don't think that it'll necessarily infringe on the purpose and i think part of what i think is the the word intent what is our intention and the ai doesn't have intention but we do and when we have a positive yeah. intention, we can harness it to that. And I think you know your purpose is something which is not so much the purpose is not the writing the books. The purpose is to serve people, and I, and, and with the insights you have, and that's absolutely uh, what you have been doing and will continue to do, whatever tools you use. So I don't think it changes your purpose, and it is a journey to be able to pull that. But this actually comes back to, I think, to where we started in terms of the questions. So, so you studied under Peter Drucker, I, I gather. What, what did you learn from him? Uh, I, yeah, I, I studied under, under Dr. Drucker for three years at the Claremont Graduate University. The business school was named for him, and it was certainly uh, one of the most... Uh, extraordinary periods of, of my life. He's definitely the smartest person I've, 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 ever, I've ever known. And he's one of these brilliant people who can absolutely distill complexity to its essence. Dr. Drucker, we were talking before the, the show about some of his lessons. And I think one of the lessons that he, he taught that is very specifically relevant to the topic of, of your show and, and your passion, Ross, is we would study these very complicated case studies. He taught by the Harvard case study method. And um, all these really smart people in the room in this MBA program would try to solve the problem. And he would get so angry. He'd say, how can you be so arrogant that these people working in this case that don't know the answer have been in this industry for 30 years and you read this case study and you think you have the answers. And he would say the key to leadership in a complex environment is not having 
all the right answers. It's having the right questions. And this is something that certainly has informed my approach to, to writing, to speaking, and especially consulting. I have a very humble attitude when I consult with companies and, and just try to lead them to the right questions, which is always the right strategy. And I think in this world, no one understands the internet. No one understands the economy. No one understands AI. No one's going to be an expert, but you can know enough to ask the right questions. And I think that's the key to survival as a leader in this complex environment. Well, and I would say just as much today as it has been over the last years, as that's what you, you start your books with a question, you understand that, that's the way you face the world. And I think having the right questions just means that we have potentially more tools to help answer them. But that's the intent and the purpose starts from there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Maybe, maybe, maybe Dr. Tractor, he was, maybe he was, uh, he was predicting prompts. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, that's our job now is asking questions. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and yeah. also filtering the answers because they're not always quite the right answer. So your most recent book is uh, Belonging to the Brand, Why Community is the Last Great Marketing Strategy. And I'd love to, you know, I, I believe, you know, I've often said things along the lines of, you know, uh, the future of business is community. Yeah, that's all about us together and how we're creating value together. I'd love to hear you reflect on that, but in particular, how it informs your thinking and your ideas and uh, how it is you make sense of the world for to help others. Well, it's it's been one of the greatest gifts of, of my career. Um, I, I started a, a community sort of by accident. Um, in 2021, I was invited to launch a, a, a creator cryptocurrency through a platform called Rally. And it, it, it was a, it was a fa fantastic learning experience. The platform ultimately failed, but I have no regrets at all because I, I learned so much and I created a community around this token. And, and they, they all... They bought the token to, to support me, to learn from me, to learn about crypto and what's next in marketing and what's next in the world. And so the, the token failed, but the community was still intact. And so we moved into uh, Discord. And um, so about two years ago, we moved into a Discord community. And these are smart, passionate, urgent learners from all around the world. In fact, some of the most amazing people in our community are from uh, Australia. There was one member of our community actually came to my house last month for a little get together we were having in our community. And um, so here I am, I spend most of my time, I live in a rural area near a, a big city in, in America. And uh, I spend most of my time in an office in the woods alone. I don't have the benefit of a big network in a, you know, in a, in a wired city. And so this community, number one, it's become my university. It's how I am staying relevant as a professional because these people are challenging each other in a very respectful way. You know, there's zero tolerance for toxicity in my community. But, you know, we, we, today we had a big debate about 
we had this big beer thing in America, the Bud Light debacle in marketing, probably the biggest marketing meltdown in at least a decade, right? And you know, there's, there's, it's a hot button issue, but we debated it today with people all over the world chiming in in a respectful and, and very you know, intelligent and professional way. So number one, it's become my university. Every blog post I write, certainly my latest book on community, was informed by the ideas in this community. But I think going forward, community is going to play a major role in our world in this incredibly information-dense uh, ecosystem we have to navigate as a, as a sense-maker and as a truth discerner. Um, certainly one of the existential threats of AI to our political world is deep fakes, and misinformation. We're already starting to see it happen. And what I find in my community is, is people might see something and then someone will say, oh no, that was a hoax. Or they'll, or they'll see some new tool that was introduced and the community will say, oh no, wait, there's something better. So there's this constant flow of, of, of truth and sense that we're trying to make of the world as a community, as sort of a hive mind. And it, and it produces much better insights on the world than I could ever, ever do just by consuming content on my own. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's I believe very much in peer learning, where I learn with others, and particularly in the fast-moving world, it's uh, the more uh, you know we can, we have to learn with others. We can't do it all ourselves, but once we're in a community, that that really is the future. So I think that's. We all have to find the communities or form out there the communities which are going to enable us to learn what it is we uh, want to and need to learn. Yeah, a, a big learning for me in this experience, Russ, is the difference between audience and community. And, you know, an audience is someone that reads my blog or someone that listens to my podcast or reads my books, and that's great, and I appreciate all you know all those people. But a community, that's when people know each other and they're collaborating and they're co-creating and they're learning and they're pushing uh, each other. Uh, and uh, that's, that's the real power that is a, a massively overlooked opportunity for individuals and organizations today. Very quick break to point you to AmplifyingCognition.com. You'll find a stack of resources to help you get to next level thinking, sense-making, and decision-making, including the Humans Plus AI learning community with extensive courses and events, free downloads from my book, Thriving on Overload, the Thoughtweaver app to achieve more with AI, productivity programs for individuals and companies, and far more. Now back to the show. So you, you try to keep experimenting with things. Uh, to learn along the way as as the world changes. So how, how do you how do you go about uh, trying things and uh, learning on the edge of what's happening? Well, I think it sort of supports this philosophy of um, you, you you can't have all the answers. <laughs> I mean, no one's going to be an expert anymore. But to to have the right questions, you have to know enough about what's going on. To, to do that. And that, that takes some courage. Uh, I was in a workshop the other day with a woman who declared 
that she was 55 years old and she'd had it. She was exhausted. She couldn't keep up with the world anymore. And, you know, I, I took her aside and, 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 and sort of soothed her a little and, and told her, well, look, you know, I'm, I'm older than you and, and I'm going to keep going. And, and here's how you, 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 you can't be an expert, but, but you, you need to know enough to survive. You need to know enough to lead and you need to have the courage to keep experimenting. My whole career has been a consecutive series of experiments that you know push me to the next level, and that you know it's 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 trite. I almost hate to say you know getting out of your comfort zone, but it does take courage to get a digital wallet. You know, it it, it took me a week to figure it out, <laughs> and, and and you know, and, and Ross, here's here's my here's my greatest victory. Not calling my son and saying, "Help me do this," <laughs> uh, but you know, getting a digital wallet, buying an NFT, being part of a community, experimenting in, in the in the metaverse, pushing the boundaries of of ChatGPT in ways that can make you better, that can that can push your work forward, and then starting to experiment with things beyond ChatGPT. I was an early adopter of of MidJourney. And have absolutely been thrilled by the the quick progress of of that. And I'm now I've been experimenting with text based music and text based video. And and I'm not an expert. And I'm not going to do it all the time every day. But I want to know enough to see the possibility, to see the possibility, so that I can have a conversation and and help lead others. I, I love that phrase, knowing knowing enough to see the possibilities, and that's. Uh, you know, well, we have to, we have to be aware, you know, what, what, what could be there as opposed to, uh, knowing. So, you know, we don't need to be experts, but we just need to be able to see, oh, I can sort of see what this might be able to do or how somebody that practices a lot can, can get to. So similarly, my, my mother in her older years, she kind of kept saying, oh, this is a bit, this is too much. And actually she, she at the time she was, uh, uh, Sort of an assistant teacher for seniors and having to use computers. I mean, it was simple as you know, showing people how to use the mouse and so on. You know, but she was ahead of many of her peers. But but it's it comes back to you know what's called growth mindset or anything else. It's just saying, well, the, the, you never give up. You just sort of say, well, hey, give it a go. And uh, and we all have to be doing that. Yeah, and and that's part of the the filtering that happens in the community too, where you might not know where to start on some of these things. Look, you know, I was an early adopter of mid journey. Um, you know, a friend of mine said he's an animator in our community has an animation studio. He said, look what we're doing. We're starting to create some of the, the backgrounds for animation using this tool. Could not believe it. Just could not believe it. Um, it was, it, it was the same feeling. Ross, as like when you plugged your laptop computer, uh, your first computer into the phone jack and you heard the, you know, the connection sound and you're getting onto the internet for the first time. It was that same sort of wonder, the sense of wonder that you could create this beautiful art just by using words. Uh, we are in this, oh my gosh, what an age of wonder we are in. And I think that's part of the 
the, the psychological uh, survival skill is is to really just you know it, see through the chaos, embrace the chaos, and and say, look, this is this is the new calculator. It's going to open up a new age of of wonder. And you know how how can I use use it to be part of it? So you mentioned to me this uh, this idea of the twenty percent factor. Oh yeah, this, I think this is a super important idea in terms of our own uh, relevance, and it, it kind of ties a ribbon around the idea of purpose as well. So um, I have a, a, a dear friend named uh, Shelley Palmer. Uh, here in America, he's quite well known because he's on all the big talk shows, and he's he's a tech analyst. So whenever some big uh, uh, announcement is made, uh, some new tech innovation is announced, he's always all over the networks. So when ChatGPT came out, I immediately called him, said, "Can I can I can I interview you? I'd really value your opinion on this." And he said, "Well, Mark," he said, "It's absolutely terrifying." He said, I've blogged every day for 15 years, and I asked it to create this blog post, gave it a topic in the voice of Shelley Palmer. And he said, what blew me away was that it actually went out and did the research I would have to do to write knowledgeably on this topic. He said, I'm 80% replaced. Now, that is sort of a bold and scary statement, but the more interesting idea is what is that 20%? Exactly. And, and, and my idea is that Sh- Shelly and me and you will never really have to worry about AI because we have an established personal brand. We're known, we're trusted, perhaps even we're beloved. No matter what happens with AI, people are still going to come to Shelly. People are still going to come to you for truth, discernment, sense-making. I think they'll still come to me uh, because they, I, I've, I've actually started to put this badge on my blog because uh, I haven't used ChatGPT because most of my blogs are like my stories and observations. I have this little, po- this little badge that says 100% human content <laughs> just to assure people, hey, it's, it's still me, still me. I'll tell you, I'll tell you when, I'm, when it's not. And, and so I have a sense of urgency about this, that um, Shelley gave the example, Ross, that in the, before 1986, if you wanted to create music for a commercial or a television show, you needed a band, you needed singers. And he was in that world. He was a music producer. Then in 1986, we had the advent of the computer and, and computerized music, and we can now we could now tease sounds from different instruments out of one machine. And within one year, half of the professional musicians in America lost their jobs. What is interesting, though, is is who didn't lose their jobs. It was the best musicians. It was the jazz musicians. It was the improvisers. It was the people that were innovating in rock or other musical genres. It was the writers, the creators, the producers, the editors that are pushing, pushing forward. That are that are that are really. It's they have the twenty percent. They're applying their 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 history and their education 
and you know every their entire skill set to create something new and innovative that makes them stand out and so that's that's what i've been you know i've been shouting from the, this from the rooftops for the last 7 or 8 years cuz i knew this day would get, would be coming when ai is going to be nipping at the heels of our skill sets in some many white collar collar knowledge worker jobs even our careers and yet if you're the person that is beloved and trusted and known there there will be a place for you absolutely and no but i think that's that that's just a fundamental question is what is that let's say it's 80% whatever the percentage is of of what it is we've done before which has been uh, replaced or sub- supported whatever it may be but there is that remainder there and i've always believed there will always be that uh, that thing which we can bring which is uniquely human or uniquely ourselves and it is a path of discovery of what that is which we we all need to be on and uh, as you say i think you know you and i are and, and some others are, are fortunate in where we've got to at this point but i think others as well can uh you know and you and i still need to find that it's precisely what that 20% is other needs but everyone else needs to work on that as well the, I, they do and and that is the urgent message is that you know if if, if you're just if you've got your you know your head down you know putting out press releases uh it's it, you're going it's 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 becoming commoditized you're going you're going to be you're going to be vulnerable you you need to add your unique voice to the world you need to you know have your own your own influence and your own power exerted in the world and everybody has the opportunity to do that today so so Tarana, i'd like to just to get you to share as a prolific author and thinker and communicator what is some advice you would give to people in terms of how it is they can see the right you know relevant information pull that together and potentially to create their own you know distillations of that that are valuable for themselves and others one of the things that i'm not sure this is good or bad um but i i almost never read books anymore uh and, and i'm talking about um you know i still read a lot of uh you know fiction for entertainment and that that has to be my choice but what i'm consuming ross are like future um like curated newsletters of trends and ideas and what's happening with gen z i've become a trend collector so you know when i see something in one of these newsletters like that makes me go wow that's a big number i'll give you an example uh new research showed that in in 2022 um in the age group uh 20 i think it was 22 to 34 24 percent of the of, of the people in that age group were on discord last year today that number is 46 percent unbelievable growth in one year there's amazing implications for that because think about sense making think about trend finding trends we rely on a, a lot on the social graph. We rely a lot on these sentiment analysis engines, right? They're invisible. You can't find people in Discord. You don't know what they're saying. They're, bu- they're building these digital campfires, these bunkers where nobody can see them. So that's an example of like collecting these big ideas. I'm sure you do this too, because I know 
you give speeches to all kinds of different groups, and I do too. So I can kind of go back in my in my little bag of of trends and pull out things that are relevant to bankers or to fitness experts or to teachers or wherever I go. So I, I think that's a, a big, big change in how I'm collecting information than, than maybe in in the past. I'm I'm just not spending a lot of time with books. I'm not sure that's good or bad. But you know, I'm 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 in that one percent that's a creator instead of a consumer. I, I wrote a blog post once that blogging makes you stupid because all the time I'm spending on my content, someone else is reading. <laughs> so I have to be very very selective. And and what I I mean, what I'm just obsessed with is collecting these new ideas. Just trying to find the the that's how you build the vision of 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 the future. Is you is you say all right. If this is true, that most of young people are moving on a Discord, that's where they're building their community conversations. Companies aren't going to be able to hear them anymore. What's the business opportunity? What is the implication if if if, if this trend continues? And then that becomes, uh, you know, an idea of what the future is going to look like. And so that 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 informs a lot of my writing, thinking through the implications of these trends. Yeah, that's fantastic. And in my book, Thriving on Overload, I referred to the su- looking for what's surprising. <laughs> you know, yeah, lots absolutely. of scouting, then you say, ah, that's, that's so surprising. Drucker used to say, is the dog barking? And what he meant by that was he said, if you have a dog that barks every time someone comes to the door and someone rings the doorbell and the dog doesn't bark, you, you've got to pay attention to that. Something's wrong with the dog. The dog's, you know, causing trouble somewhere, or maybe they know the person at the door, but something's changed. And so that's a big source of of innovation and information to me. When I see something that doesn't make sense, just quick, quick story. Um, I saw a news a news article in uh, the Wall Street Journal last year. Hallmark the biggest greeting card company I believe in the world is getting out of e-cards. Now, that's an example. The dog isn't barking. Everyone's moving into e-commerce. Why are they moving out of (laughs) e-commerce? It makes no sense. The dog isn't barking. So you you go deep, deep, deep into the article and you figure, here's what you learn. There's two big demographics that use greeting cards. Senior citizens, they don't want to send it on a computer. And get this, second biggest demographic for greeting cards, Gen Z. They love greeting cards, but they want artisanal handmade cards. All right, if I'm an artist, I'm going to start a TikTok channel talking about how I create artisanal cards. You've got, you've got to pay attention when the dog isn't barking. That's fantastic. That's I think that's an example of the insights that uh, you know distill from the world and able to share with your readers and audience and, and clients. So that's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time and your insights, Mark. It's uh, been a true delight. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Ross. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the show. If you really want to amplify your cognition, go to amplifyingcognition.com where you can access a trove of useful resources to make your mind better and more effective than ever before. If you liked this episode, please do help us be found by giving us a rating or review. 
and subscribe if you want to hear more of this. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.